The second night of a back-to-back struggles continue for the Sacramento Kings, falling to the Clippers 119-99, another blowout loss for Sacramento. There are things that need to be said about this team, and I'll share those right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and what a difference 24 hours can make. The Kings go from beating the Brooklyn Nets while raining down a franchise record 25 threes in Sacramento on Monday to getting beat down in Crypto.com Arena by the Clippers on Tuesday. Three major points about this game and what it says about this Kings team that need to be made. And I'm going to avoid the obvious joke about me making three points while the Sacramento Kings struggled to make three-pointers all night long. Point number one, back-to-backs are not an excuse for the Kings. And they never have been. And I promise you, the Sacramento Kings are not making an excuse. To me, the problem is not the schedule. The problem is not who the Kings are facing on the second night of a back-to-back. The problem is that when the Kings play the second night of a back-to-back, they are in shambles. They are totally thrown off, whether it's the energy, their intensity, their shot-making, their focus, their physicality, whatever The issue is, when the Kings play on a second night of a back-to-back, they look like a shell of themselves. This Kings team is unrecognizable. I think in all three of the back-to-backs that the Kings have played, they've won the first game, if I'm not mistaken. I may have that wrong, but obviously they won last night. They won in, I think it was Minnesota or Dallas before the... Uh, New Orleans Pelicans back-to-back, or or the second night of a back-to-back where they were blown out in New Orleans. And yes, they were coming off of the, I think, the win over the Oklahoma City Thunder in the in-season tournament before they lost to the Clippers in Sacramento. So game one of back-to-backs goes Sacramento's way. And then the very next night, they completely fall apart. Sure, two of these three Losses on the second night of back-to-backs have come at the hands of the Clippers. But at this point, to an extent, I think the Clippers are irrelevant. Now, maybe if you want to put the Clippers into that bad matchup classification, you can do that. And we'll get to that in just a second. But in these three back to, second night of a back-to-back games, the Kings are obviously 0-3. They have lost by a, a total combined 70 points, which means in these back-to-backs, they are losing by an average of 23.3 points per game. Now, what was different about this one compared to the other two was that the Clippers 
also played on the second night of a back-to-back. So if you wanted, and I probably did at some point, make the excuse of, well, not only are the Kings playing on the second night, but their opponent is rested and waiting for them. The Kings can't make that excuse this time because they lost. They were beaten down by the Clippers, who not only played last night, whose main guys, including Kawhi Leonard, who torched the Kings tonight, played 40-plus minutes. Like, the Clippers came off a hard-fought win over the Portland Trailblazers last night, where their top guys played major minutes. Paul George only played like 16 minutes in this game before going down with an injury, and hopefully he is okay. It's There's no excuse there. There's nothing that the Sacramento Kings can, can, can look at from this loss tonight and just chalk up to, oh, it's just, the, it's just another bad performance on the second night of a back-to-back. Oh, well, scheduled loss, right? And again, to be clear, I don't think there is anybody in that Kings locker room, on that Kings coaching staff, or in the front office that is making that excuse. The Kings know that they have an issue. We actually talked to Malik Monk and Keegan Murray about it last night after the Kings win over the Nets. And they had talked about, like, we, we, we need to be more focused. We need to be locked in on the defensive end. It's something that we've been trying to work on. The Kings are aware that they've been dreadful on the second night of a back-to-back. And here they are again, the first handful of minutes. They were playing solid defense, playing with decent physicality. The Los Angeles Clippers got a little bit of rhythm. Sacramento had no offensive rhythm. And very quickly, it fell apart, and the Kings never looked the same. And I, I mean, I saw this on social media. It does not matter that the Clippers played back-to-back games at home while the Sacramento Kings had to travel from a home game to a road game on the second night of a back-to-back. Guys, we're talking about a flight from Sacramento to L.A. The Kings already travel in style and in luxury. A one-hour baby flight after a a, a win, there's, there's nothing there. There's no reason there to give the Kings any sort of break or any sort of slack for this performance, because this is becoming a trend. You don't need to find an excuse for Sacramento when they're not making ones for themselves. The Kings, how how would I sum up these three games where the Kings have played on a second night of a back-to-back? They've looked slow. They've looked soft. Their shooting has been terrible. Tonight, they shot 41% from the field, 27% from three-point range, 70% from the free-throw line. They continue to be one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in the league. And they've also looked mentally weak. Thinking back to the first time the Kings lost to the Clippers, right? What was the narrative around that game? Oh, it was a mental letdown. After the high of defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder and winning in the in-season tournament, the next night... It was just kind of a mental letdown. The Kings invested so much mentally and physically into that OKC win that tonight they just didn't have it. Next time, they'll be better. Well, are they mentally drained because they spent all of their good shooting fortune on 25 made threes in an expected win over the Brooklyn Nets at home? Yeah, I'm not buying any of that too. Again, you're not hearing the Kings making any of these excuses. Those were just the narratives. And those are the things that we were saying on this podcast and people were writing about and people were saying on social media about the Kings. Three back-to-backs where the Kings have looked terrible. Two of those back-to-back losses have been against the same team, the Los Angeles Clippers. So, okay, let's put the Clippers in the bad matchup category. This leads to the second point that I want to talk about. The Kings 
bad matchup teams are racking up quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, we're 22 games into the season. We have identified the Pelicans, who the Kings are 0-3 against as a bad matchup. We have identified the Houston Rockets, who beat the Kings down twice. Granted, it was without De'Aaron Fox, but still, Sacramento looked terrible, and the Rockets are a physical, athletic team. The Kings had no answer for them. Kings are 0-2 against them. Bad matchup there. The Clippers, 0-2 against them. Both games, I think, with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron played in the first Clipper game, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, because he returned. I honestly don't remember. Either way, two bad losses where the Clippers did anything and everything they wanted against you, defensively and offensively. So that's a bad matchup. And I don't know if we'll classify the Golden State Warriors as a bad matchup, but the Kings have lost twice to them so far this season. So what do all four of these teams have in common? These are all four potential playoff teams in the Western Conference. All right, let's throw the Warriors out of there. You want to throw the Warriors out because the Kings have beaten them once? Okay, fine. Throw the Warriors out. Rockets, Clippers, Pelicans. Three teams. Two out of the three are expected to make the playoffs, I would say, at this point, in the Pelicans and Clippers, assuming the Pelicans, assuming both teams can stay healthy. The other team in the Rockets, I think they're a couple games over 500. They're, they have a chance to be a play-in team. If, you, if these many teams, this many teams, are bad matchups for Sacramento in the Western Conference, the Kings are in big trouble, right? Because any team with a little bit of length, any team with a little bit of physicality, is giving the Kings fits, making this team completely unrecognizable. Look, the West is tough, right? With the exception of the San Antonio Spurs, who I believe have lost 17 straight games, the West is tough. Even the Portland Trailblazers without Scoot Henderson played the Kings tough in Sacramento, right? It's not easy to win in the Western Conference, and no one has ever said it was. That being said, with the Kings and their desire to get from good to great, with the Kings and their desire to, to, to back themselves from last season when they finished as a third seed in the West, and so many have, have said that they're not able to repeat that, no one feels sorry for Sacramento. No one at all is going to feel sorry for the Kings racking up bad matchup team after bad matchup team after bad matchup team. Because at this point, the Kings are trying to dodge now three, maybe four if you include the Warriors teams in the opening round or in any round of the playoffs. Do you, do you think the Kings want to play the Pelicans or the Clippers at this point in a best-of-seven series? I don't think so. Maybe the Clippers, because... There are no back-to-backs in the playoffs, but I'm also not convinced that the Clippers wouldn't be kicking the Kings' butt right now because they're a bad matchup if both teams played on the first night of back-to-backs. The Rockets, hey, maybe they're slowing down a little bit, and maybe with De'Aaron Fox, things would look different. Either way, at this point, just saying a team is a bad matchup for Sacramento, that's starting to lose its, uh, lose its acceptance. It's not acceptable as much as maybe it was to start the season. The Kings have to figure this out. Leadership has to figure out how to fix this back-to-back problem and fix these bad matchup issues, or Sacramento's going to be in trouble. You can either figure it out, or you have to make some changes, make some personnel changes. We're talking about changing the roster. That leads me to the third point that I want to make. I don't think the trade deadline is going to save the Sacramento Kings this year. 
let me be very clear about this. There's a lot of time between now and the trade deadline. A lot of things can change. A lot of things can happen, right? So so determining how a trade deadline is going to go for a team in mid-December is silly. But based off of the Kings' circumstances, and I'll, I'll list those out in a little bit, I don't know if there's a trade that the Kings are going to make, a, a big splash deal that the Kings are going to make at this deadline to help them get from good to great right now. I don't think it exists. Look, the Kings are highly, highly, highly unlikely to trade Keegan Murray. I'm not saying he's completely off the table, but if the Kings are trading Keegan Murray, they're getting a bona fide superstar that not only are they getting to help them right away, they're keeping around for a long time because you're, you're trading contractual control over Keegan Murray the same way you traded contractual control over Tyrese Halliburton, right? So I don't think the Kings are trading Keegan Murray. The two pieces that the Kings are most likely to trade, Harrison Barnes, two points tonight, one rebound, one assist. Davion Mitchell actually played tonight. He hasn't been playing recently. He lost his job and his spot in the rotation to two-way player Keon Ellis. And I say two-way player meaning on a two-way contract in the G League. Davion tonight, one point, two assists, played 14 minutes. Both of those guys have piss-poor value at this point in time. You're not trading Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell in a package and getting the better player at a similar position. You're not getting a defensive guard or, more importantly, where the Kings need the most help, a wing for Barnes and Davion. You're probably having to attach draft picks to that. And because of the Kevin Herter trade and the protections on that draft pick that they traded to the Atlanta Hawks, that's muddied up things a little bit for the Kings. Now, I believe the Kings could just waive the protections so they know that that pick is going to convey this year, which it's more than likely going to convey this year, or should I say next year, in next year's draft in 2024. And then they know that they can trade the 2026 pick and, and, and so on and so forth. If they don't do that, well, then they're, I, I can't remember the first draft pick that they're able to trade. It might be like 2028 or something like that. So they're, they're not as flexible, even though they have all their picks with the exception of that Atlanta one, they're not as flexible to be able to move them in a big deal to attach three draft picks to Harrison Barnes to go get OG and an OB or whatever the hell the Kings are trying to go out and get, right? I expect this, truly, I expect this, as of right now, all signs to me point to another ride-it-out year for the Kings. Very similar to how it was last year. Maybe they make a minor trade deadline deal or two. Last year it was Kessler Edwards. Maybe something a little bit better than that. Maybe at best like an Alex Caruso type move. I don't know. But I don't think, I think it's more likely that we see the Kings ride it out this year, get into the playoffs again. Maybe they're a first round exit again at the hands of one of these bad matchup teams. Maybe they make it to the second round, but but don't get further. Whatever. They get the context of another playoff series. And then Monty makes some big decisions about Barnes, about Mitchell, about Herter, about Monk, maybe even about Keegan Murray, right? Maybe, I think that's more likely for, I think it's more likely that the Kings make a big move this summer than they do at the trade deadline at this point. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the app that you should be using first to buy tickets to whatever event you're interested to in. And of course, you can find Kings tickets 
on Game Time. You can find most, if not all, sporting event tickets on Game Time, but they also have tickets to like local comedy shows and comedy clubs. They have uh, theater uh, tickets to like theater productions. They have uh, tickets to concerts, whether it's massive stadium events or smaller venues in your town or in your city. Game Time has the events for you. And here's the best thing about Game Time: they they move uh, like relieve the stress in buying tickets, especially last minute tickets. In fact, Game Time almost rewards you for buying last-minute tickets. They have last-minute flash deals that take place the day of or hours before the event where you can get in the door and get a good seat for a a fraction, like a, a significant fraction of the price. I know I've told this story before, but when I was in San Francisco earlier this year covering the Kings and the Warriors in the playoffs, in between games three and four, I had a night off, so my wife and I used game time to get last-minute tickets to go watch a Giants game at Oracle Park. We sat like 10, 15 rows up from the field, and we got it for, I think, 60% discount with a last-minute flash deal. It was an unbelievable thing. That's just an example of what you can get on Game Time. So download the Game Time app, and when you create an account, use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. All right, I know this is a Sacramento Kings podcast. Some of you watching who can see the 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 coming up or on today's show to I think it's to that direction to my right. Um, you're gonna notice the Draymond Green in those notes, right? And audio listeners, warning you ahead of time: this segment is not gonna be about the Sacramento Kings. It's gonna be about Draymond Green. Bear with me. I don't know if if you want me to spend more time talking about this Kings and Clippers loss, and I'll get back to the Kings in the final segment because there's something about this team that I also want to point out. But Draymond Green tonight is worth talking about. Locked on Kings is my platform, so damn it, I'm going to talk about it. Did you see what Draymond Green did in in his game against the, the, the Phoenix Suns tonight? Yeah. Uh, go and check it out. He was ejected. Again, the third time this season, Draymond Green's been ejected. Again, uh, uh, it's December. Ladies and gentlemen, midway through December, Draymond Green's been ejected three different times already this season. He swung and essentially punched Yusuf Nurkic square in the face. A completely unnecessary flail swing of the arms. That roundhouse punch just connected right to the jaw of Nurkic. Easy flagrant two. Easy ejection. Get Draymond Green out of the game. And remember, he is just returning from a five-game suspension after he put Rudy Gobert in a headlock. He used an altercation between Klay Thompson and I I forgot who it was on the Minnesota Timberwolves to go flying in to grab Rudy Gobert, put him in a headlock, drag him away, and he could claim all he wants that he was protecting his teammate Klay Thompson in that incident from Rudy, who was not even involved in the altercation in the first place. And it took four or five guys to get Draymond to let go of the neck of Rudy Gobert. So Draymond doesn't like Rudy, clearly uses this just as an excuse to put Rudy in a headlock. So the NBA hands him a five-game suspension, which I thought was way too light. I thought it should have been heavier than that. You have to take into the context of Draymond Green's history. And we don't even have to, we'll start after him punching Jordan Poole. We'll start after 
him kicking guys in the groin or or throwing guys to the ground, right? We, we, we can we can put all that in the past and not even reference that. Think back to the playoffs against the Sacramento Kings. Adam Silver is in the Golden 1 Center where he watches Draymond Green deliberately stomp on the chest of DeMontis Sabonis, then climb onto the bench, the Warriors bench, while everything's being sorted out, and egg on the Sacramento Kings fans, just inviting someone, some drunk idiot, to throw something at him, and then, oh God, here's Malice of the Palace 2.0. Credit to all parties for it not going that far, right? But... The commissioner, Adam Silver, is in the building for this. He sees this. He knows how bad it could get. A one-game suspension, Draymond gets in the playoffs. Okay, move on to this season. The Rudy Gobert incident happens, right? The first uh, first time he was ejected, I think, came against the Sacramento Kings earlier this year. And then you have this incident tonight where he just flails and throws a punch at Nurkic. Now, his explanation after the game, which is total BS, is that he was he felt contact around the waist and he was flailing his arms to try and sell the call, so basically admitting that he was trying to flop for a call. Either he's admitting that he was flopping or he's lying about trying to punch a dude in the face, which if you have that poor spatial awareness of your Draymond Green of not recognizing that, hey, with my wingspan and the guy right next to me, if I swing and flail, especially upwards, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to hit this dude in the neck or in the face. Apparently that didn't go through Draymond's head, but he didn't intend to punch the dude in the face. Regardless, like Draymond Green is a problem. This man needs a 25-game suspension. He needs it. Minimum. In fact, I don't think it's far out of the realm of possibility for Commissioner Silver to suspend Draymond Green for the rest of the season. I highly doubt it's going to happen, but it should be considered. Because look, Commissioner Silver and the NBA have to take control of this situation. Because nobody in Golden State is. They are cowards. They are clearly afraid to contain this man, to control this man. They make excuses for him. They enable him. Hell, they just paid the man a hundred million dollars. You have uh, you have fans that are d- defending Draymond to the end of time, which fans are going to do that for their guys. So I guess I get that, even though it's ridiculous that Warrior fans continue to defend him. You have TV broadcasts like the Warriors broadcast that continue to defend Draymond Green and laugh in a situation like when he put Rudy Gobert in a headlock. Hell, I I sure as hell hope that Cyrus and and everybody over at the Locked On Warriors podcast is doing their due diligence and, and condoning this man's actions because it's ridiculous. I liked, truly, I liked Draymond Green the villain. I did. I think Draymond Green, the villain, is good for the league. It's always good to have a villain. It makes people more invested, brings more to a a, a game. Like, Draymond Green being a villain, being a loudmouth, whatever. Talking trash, whatever. It might irritate me. I might not like him, but that villain aspect, I like. This is not Draymond Green, the villain, anymore. This is Draymond Green, the danger, he is a danger to the players that he's playing with. I don't know if something's wrong with him. Yusuf Nurkic suggested there might be something wrong with him mentally or might have an issue, which is the reason he keeps doing this. I have no idea. I'm not going to diagnose the man with anything. All I know is that he's out of control. 
And if the Golden State Warriors aren't going to do anything about it, which why the hell would they at this point? And why would he listen? They've enabled him his entire career. Commissioner Silver and the NBA need to do something about it, and it comes in the form of a hefty, significant suspension. If you don't suspend him for the rest of the season, what is going to stop him from doing something like this again? We have no reason to believe that he's not going to this season or sometime in his NBA future. Draymond Green is out of control. It's ridiculous, and I think... I really implore the NBA, not that they're listening or give a damn what I have to say, but I implore them to do something about it. No little five-game slap on the wrist, no fines that don't matter to a $100 million player who just signed a new deal, no tisk-tisk to the Warriors organization. Do something about it because the man is out of control and he's a danger to the people that he's stepping on the floor with. I'll get back to the Sacramento Kings here in just a second. Before that, today's episode of Locked on Kings is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now, the weather is cooling down, but the action is heating up over at FanDuel, whether it's NFL action or NBA action or any sports betting action. You can find it on FanDuel. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right, $150 if your team wins. Find a heavy favorite, put $5 down. When they win, you get $150 plus the little bit of extra money you win on that $5 bet. Use that $150 to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can go bet on... Malik Monk to win sixth man of the year for uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox to win clutch player of the year again for the Sacramento Kings to finish at the top of the Western Conference if you want. You, I think there's still an over-under on the Kings win total available on FanDuel. Of course, you can bet on any any Kings game any night, whether it's straight-up money line bets or taking the... Um, taking the, like, the point spread or whatever it may be. There's so many fun ways to play on FanDuel. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season, and tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, back to the Sacramento Kings. Something that also needs to be pointed out and something that needs to be talked about. After tonight's loss, the Kings are now 13-9 and on the season. Still four games above 500. Overall, all things considered, not in a bad spot, right? Through 22 games last season, the Kings were also 13-9. and But doesn't it feel like when the Kings are losing, it's a lot worse? Well, if you have that feeling, it's because you're 100% right. The Kings last year, their win margin through the first 22 games, they were winning by an average of 11.3 points per game. Their losing margin, they were losing by an average of 7.4 points per game. Again, this is just through the first 22 games of last season. So that's a net of 3.9. So plus 3.9 overall in those first 22 games on average per game. Not total, but on average per game. This season, the Kings are winning by an average of 9.5 points per game in these first 22 games. But in their nine losses, they are losing by an average of 15.3 points per game. That is a net of negative 5.8. So the Kings are winning games by two points fewer per game. And they are losing games by 
eight points or almost eight points more. Their margin of losing has almost doubled in these nine losses through the first 22 games this season compared to nine losses through the first 22 games last year. Now, injuries do play a factor in this. Of course, the Kings were very healthy last season. This year, they've missed De'Aaron Fox for a period of time. Keegan Murray has missed time. Lots of different Kings players have played banged up. So you can spin it, or you, not, not spin it necessarily. You can look at it glass half full, and you can say, hey, for the Kings to still be 13-9, and nine, be the same that they were last year when they won a third seed in the Western Conference with the injuries that they've dealt with when last year they were relatively healthy. I'll take that. I'm okay with that. And if that's you, that's perfect. And there's still, like, like there, there's an aspect of me that, that feels that way. But whether it's these numbers, whether it's the Kings offense being down while the defense is only slightly improved, whether it's getting their ass kicked consistently on the second night of back-to-backs, the Kings have lost far too many games by 18 or 20-plus points already this season. They've been blown out far too many times. Have the Kings really improved? Have they? There's a debate here. They're still winning the same amount of games. They're still losing the same amount of games. Their margin of winning is worse. Their margin of losing is significantly worse. They've dealt with injuries. They've played well in certain games, like the in-season tournament, at least through until the knockout round. They've beaten good opponents. They've only lost to, I think, four or five teams, something like that, actually in the league, even though they've lost nine times. You tell me. Are the Kings a better team? If they are, it's marginal, which marginal growth is still growth. If they're not, it's also marginal. If they've gotten worse, I think it's slightly worse, if, or it's just they're the same, or they're even. Let me know how you're feeling. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. Kings got to figure this out, man. This second night of a back-to-back issue and these issues of bad matchup teams, man, they've got some work to figure it out. And I know Mike Brown and his coaching staff on the plane back to Sacramento if they're not already home by now. They're working on it. They'll figure it out. I have confidence in this team to be able to figure it out because right now it's not just a pattern. It's a trend, and it's not a good trend. So we'll see if they can figure it out. Appreciate your support. As always here on the Locked on Kings podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could leave me a major or do me a major favor, hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. We're so close to 8,000 subscribers. Uh, Hit thumbs up. That helps me out a ton. Also be active in the comment section. Turn on the notification bell so you know every time the Locked on Kings podcast uploads. For you audio listeners out there, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, even video watchers, you can do this too. Head over to Apple Podcasts and and, and leave a review for the podcast. Hit five stars and, and there's an area for you to leave a custom review, like one or two lines about why you like the Locked on Kings podcast or why you would encourage others to listen to Locked on Kings. It truly does wonders for the show you don't understand and then my spotify listeners you can't leave a a a, a custom review but you can still hit five stars and that does a lot for the show as well so i'd appreciate if you could help me out with that kings lose 119 to 99 but it's in the past let's move forward we got it out of the way feel free to chime in join the conversation and i'll have you with me on the next episode of locked on kings until then my name is matt george you've been listening to the locked on kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network